Sorry, my name's Randy. For you that don't know me, my name is still Randy. Um, <clears throat> what I'm going to talk about is the boat ride. If you would, turn to Matthew chapter 8. I, for those of you that know me, we have a men's study. We'll talk about that towards the end. And the way I study, the way I read, I don't do a read-through-the-Bible type thing and just say, hey, I read Isaiah today. I tear it apart. I am starving. I, I, I desire the Word of God so much that I want to di- just dissect it. I want to take a knife and cut everything out of each individual verse and, t- and find out what God is t- talking to me about. And, to, and a, a couple weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, I was reading Matthew, and I'm still not even halfway through. And I hit into chapter 8. It was talking about the boat ride. We're going to be going through the Bible a couple of times, and I've got some slides to go through. And this is new for me because I, 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 use, I use the Bible all the time for those of you that know me. So if I miss something, or would just be patient with me, please. So I'm going to set this up for you. Jesus, prior to getting on the boat, was giving the Sermon on the Mount. After the Sermon on the Mount, somewhere in between getting on the boat, he healed the centurion's servant. Everybody remember that? Uh, he also cured people. He was healing people. Then he was going to get on the boat. This thing, is, when, when I read this thing, it, it, it affected me in such a way that I kept reading it and reading it and reading it. I didn't get past chapter 8 because I just couldn't grasp what the Holy Spirit was trying to tell me. And sadly to, <laughs> sadly to say, <clears throat> I found out that I've never been in Jesus' boat. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this glorious day <clears throat> that we can study your word, that we can expound, that we can be together as a family and hear your word. Holy Spirit, bless each one of us. Open our hearts and our minds to what you have to say. And walk out of here glorifying your name. Lord, it's all about you, glorifying your name. What can we do to glorify your name other than reading your word and hearing it in truth? Chapter 8, and we're going through the boat ride. Again, this is just after the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is coming down off the hillsides. Uh, and he told, he, in, depending on what book you talk, you're looking at, he told his somebody to get him a boat. I want to go to the other side. Well, the other side of what? <clears throat> so this is the Sea of Galilee. And what I wanted to start out with here, Jesus wanted to, other, to go to the other side. But there's all those things we have to look at. In verse, uh, or chapter 8 and 18, where we're going to be going through this here pretty soon, he says, I want to go. We're going to go over. How many of you have ever read that and picked up on it? What's he trying to say? There's one. Very good. Cool. He wants to go over. That means he's going to get to the other side. Shake your head yes. He's going to get there because he said, I'm going over. Now, he's also God. And when I taught in the book of Acts many, many years ago, we found out, if you were in that Bible study, that God is the God of go. Go here, go there. I want you to follow me. I want you to go. I want you to make a movement towards me and what my will is for you. 
In uh, Matthew 4.19, Mark 1.17, it says, hey, Peter, Andrew, John, James, follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men, fishermen, something about a boat, right? Okay, so we got some experienced people here. So my big thing here, I'm just hoping it works here, the down arrow, right? Oops. People, get in the boat. This is my charge to you. If you don't get anything out of this today, get in the boat with Jesus. You're going to be amazed at what these folks have seen there. So I'm going to go in from chapter uh, 8, verse 23. When he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. doesn't say who. However, we're looking at Matthew, so he either got the story or he was there. And behold, there arose a great storm. Now, I'm going to put this together for you. Uh, The Sea of Galilee is... If anybody been, Rob, you've been there. Have you been on the Sea of Galilee? Who's been on the Sea of Galilee? Okay, you've been to the Sea of Galilee. Good. So if you look at a map, and this is, <laughs> this is what people said in some of their books that I studied, it looks like a heart. To me, it looks like a pork chop. <clears throat> and it's with the depth markings, it looks like bacon and stuff like that. So anyway, anyway, just it's about 13 to 15 inches long in length and approximately 8 to nine miles wide. That's a big lake. It's not like Lake Superior or something like that, uh, but it's a big lake. And Jesus said, we're going to go to the other side. They get in the boat. Everybody picking up with me. We're on the Sea of Galilee. Now, I'm going to put another little geographic information. This is below sea level. For those of you who've been there, it's below sea level. It's goes up into the mountainsides, the hillsides, and there's weather changes over there that you don't know when it's going to change. The winds, it, it, depending on the season or something like that, you've got the heat of the day. That it, I mean, they say it's tropical right now, and they're, they're growing bananas over in Israel. Cool. But during the evening, heat rises, and the sun or the cold air comes over the mountains and meets up with it, causing storms. And a lot of times people don't know about the storms, and they're going to cross over, and they get stuck. The story tells us what, exactly what these guys are going through. So picture it in your mind. They're going eight miles across, and we could probably almost say, do we want to go across Lake Louise to go get a caribou when the waves are 15 feet high? No, we don't want to do that. Okay? <clears throat> so here we go. And they came to er, and so that the st- boat was being covered with waves, some of them say that the boat was starting to get swamped, and Jesus himself was asleep. So here's a guy, Jesus, that has been giving the Sermon on the Mount. And how many has read the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew? It takes quite a while, doesn't it? This is a lot of talking. He's talking to people. They're crowding around him. He's been healing people on the way down. And then he says, David, go get me a boot. And he says, Chris... Peter, James, John, we're going to the other side. Why are we going to the other side, Chris says. Doesn't matter. I want you to go to the other side. But the boat was being swamped. Jesus was asleep in the stern. Navy talk, squidly. Okay. He was in the stern on a pillow sleeping because he was tired. That proves his humanity. God had to have sleep. 
in the form of Jesus. Okay? And they came to him, who? The disciples, Peter, James, John, probably, doesn't save the names, saying, save us, Lord, we are perishing. Freaking out. Anybody been on a ferry boat, the Bering Sea? Everybody's seen the crab fishermen doing this kind of stuff, the ship going up and down and up and down. Has anybody seen on the National Geographic or anything like that, look on YouTube or anything, where they found a Galilee boat over in Israel? The Sea of Galilee had receded its shores because of the drought, and they found what they call the Jesus boat. It's approximately 16 to 18 feet long, approximately six feet wide, and the gunnels are like that tall. Okay? So you're out in a storm, and you think you're going to get water in there? So these guys were freaking out because the boat was being swamped, and they were saying to him, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. Okay? And Jesus calmed the storm. And we're going to be going to Mark here pretty soon, but it goes more into depth. And then he says, why are you afraid, you men of little faith? So let me see if I can get this to go here. We're in the boat. Whoops, that's me. You got to weather storms in life, folks. My friends, I have been weathering storms because I've been fighting against uh, what Christ has wanted me to do for years. I'm going to tell you a little story about my family. We were brought up, me and Mary and my two kids, were brought up in a fundamental Baptist church system. Door knocking, uh, stuff like that, and I didn't like doing that. We were told to do this, told to do that. We had to have the, the perfect suit on. You had to greet people the whole nine yards. And we, I started to rebel against it after a while because being in the Army at the time, I thought I was missing out on stuff. I got tired of giving my money to the work of Christ. I got tired of... Uh, driving 40 miles one way to church and staying there all day and going to church that night and coming back in in Germany, West Germany, and then getting up at 3.30 in the morning and going to work. I got tired of it. And after two years, it started to affect me more. Prayer life was poor. Mary, of course, was driving back and forth to this church every day teaching in the school and then coming back to get me and going back there to go on Wednesday night service, Thursday night soul winning, Saturday night teen teen group, stuff like that. I was not weathering the storm. I was not putting my, my priorities were my priorities. They were not Jesus' priorities. It was not God's priorities. We did not weather the storm. We left uh, Germany. And what I told my friends that have heard this before, we entered into 20 years in the desert. We dropped out of sight. We went. We did stuff that we shouldn't have been doing. Not drugs or anything like nothing, nothing terrible. But we weren't following Christ. We got out of the boat. We didn't get in the boat. We were in the boat, but we weren't of the boat. <clears throat> Jesus would tell us, "Where is your faith? Why are you so weak? All you had to do was get in the boat." All you had to do is do little things like this. Do something. Empty the trash. That's all you have to do. But in my time, it was always, but, but, but. And finally, we got so much but 
that we were out of sight. 20 years. I desired to be with Christ. We started listening back to it, or back listening to uh, radio programs. We went and we were watching Adrian Rogers on the TV because that was getting us back in touch with Christ. But one day, we were sitting on our bed, we were sitting on the couch or something like that, and Adrian Rogers <laughs> turned to the television thing, and he pointed his finger straight at me and says, this is not your church. Ooh. That poked me in my heart muscle. Something poked me in my heart muscle. But it wasn't enough to get me going, but it got Mary going. She said, we finally bought a house here. We started living here. And this was just a little tiny church at the time. But we started going to another Baptist church. And I told Mary, you go find a church. I gave up my role as the leader of my boat, my boat, my circle. I gave it up to my wife. She found that church, and I sat in there, my little nervous twitch because I was mad. I didn't want to be there, and eventually, we left, and we found this, a group of about eight to, what, 12, 15 people, and they played a guitar of all things. You're not, folks, supposed to play a guitar in a church service. Did you know that? You're not supposed to have drums. You're not supposed to have tambourines. You're supposed to have a piano. Independent Baptist Church. You're supposed to maybe even think about having an Oregon. Oregon. (laughs) Yeah, something very spiritual, you know, so you can give reverence to God. So what did I do over there? I sat in rebellion they would hand off this paper sheet that we got our music on and I would watch it go by. And after a few months, I would take the sheet. I was praying that I would get on the boat because I knew that I wanted to do this. God was taking his time with me because I was weathering a storm. I I was beating myself, trying to bail myself out of this boat. Well, actually... I was trying to bail Mary out of the boat because she was working twice as hard to get me to do it. And eventually, I started teaching over there. Eventually, I started singing along with the songs. Eventually, I started shaking people's hands. Folks, I don't like touching people. I don't like people hugging me. I don't like the barber shop when you get your hair cut and there's, there's a little Thai lady over there and she likes to rub your neck when you're done. Get off me. <clears throat> but now, I love knuckles. And I love it when Scott comes up here and he says, give me a hug. There's love out there, folks, that I have found through Christ for other people. And now we're here. I get to do this. Joe left. And and this goes back to my study now. Joe says, hey, I want to take a sabbatical. I'd like you to consider. And it was like four weeks ago, four or five weeks ago. I'd like you to consider uh, teaching on one day. (laughs) What are you, nuts? I'm scared. I like to pick things up and play with them. And I said, okay, I'll give it a try. I'll pray about it. Three weeks after that or two weeks after that, I 
came back and said, okay, I'll do it. He said, well, pick some kind of a subject. I already had it. Why? Because I went to Matthew chapter 8, because this is the book I'm studying. I bumped into this thing right here, this, this little chapter here, about the boat ride and that little part after it. And it affected me so much that I read it, I reread it, I re-reread it, I triple read it, and it affected me so much. I said, somebody has to hear about this. Because we skim by this stuff as we study that we don't see the little things in life. We don't see, what we're going to see here pretty soon is you can, Joe tries to tell me not to speculate too much. Matter of fact, Bob back there, he says, you can't say some of this stuff in here. You just can't add this stuff. Well, you can speculate to a point where you try to make a point for yourself if you're studying, and you can say, I want other people to think about this because we want to be able to help others seek Christ and get on that boat. We're going to see, well, we're not going to see, but I'm going to tell you right now, in the book of Luke, and I think in the book of Mark, Luke, of course, is getting his story from others. He's the doctor. He's the smart guy. He's the college professor that is gathering information to write the book of Luke. Mark, the one we're going to get more into here pretty soon, was working with Peter at the time, and scholars tell us, and uh, uh, the, the, yeah, scholars tell us that Mark got his information from Peter. What a great way to get something if you want to learn about who, what was going on on that boat is to hear it from Peter the story of Peter, or James, or John, or Andrew. So these guys get in the boat, they're weathering the storm, their boat is swamped, now I'm going to go continue on here. The men were amazed, then he got up, he rebuked the winds and the sea, and he became perfectly calm. When's the last time you ever saw that? This is a perfect example right here, if you've never read that, that it is the power of God in the form of Jesus Christ. Nobody can stand up and make the Lake of Galilee, the Sea of Gennesaret, the Sea of Galilee, calm, boom. No winds, no waves, it was calm. Now, if you look up the word rebuked, it was more like (laughs) Jesus stood up and like, you guys, come on, knock it off. Seriously, if you really translate it out there, Jesus stood up and said, knock it off. And the wind stopped, the ocean or the sea was calm, and he looked at, (laughs) Chris, where was your faith? Why were you so afraid? I said I wanted to go to the other side. Does that tell you something? When I say I want to go to the other side, we're going to make it. And what was their reaction? Let's check it out here. Verse 27. The men were amazed and said, What kind of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? Or, translated in New York or up here in Alaska, Hey, who is this guy? Roughly translated, that's what they said. Who is this guy? Because only God can make the nature obey. obey. Okay? One little thing. These guys picked up something there. If you weren't in this boat, you wouldn't have seen that. We will see. Well, I'll tell you right now. There was little boats that followed. Somebody else had to have seen this. There were people left on the shore 
that didn't get in the boat because they doubted. I'm not going over there. That's a land of pigs. They got IHOP on every corner. They're frying bacon. The place stinks. I'm not going over there. We're Jews. We're not supposed to go see these people. What'd you miss out on? Blessing after blessing after blessing and the power of God. And here we go. Verse 28. When he came to the other side, into the country of the Gadarenes, or Gadara, two men, two men who were demon-possessed met him as they were coming out of the tombs. They were, they were so extremely violent that no one could pass by. Put someone in your mind and your heart right now who is like that. In this day and age, you see him on the streets, you see him in cars, not this store, driving by, totally angry. You see him walking in a parking lot, shaking his fist at his wife and kids or something like that. Picture that person. And they cried, they cried out, saying, What business do we have with each other, son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Or are you going to cast us into the abyss? Okay? Now, there were a herd of swine feeding at the distance from them. The demons began to entreat him, saying, If you are going to cast us out, send us into the herd of swine. Or, I would rather be in a pig than to go into the abyss. That's pretty sad. For a demon. Demon wants to possess you. Satan wants to control you. Satan wants to do everything he can to manipulate your life. How do I know? He picks on me all the time. He can't take me. The book of Job we studied back, uh, what, six months ago. So, Satan, what do you think of my man Job here? Yeah, protect him. You're all you're wrapping your arms around him. You, you won't let me touch him. I'll tell you what. You can do what you want to do. I'm going to show you something. He's going to be a good... He, he's, I mean, you can do what you want to him. You can't kill him. We look at the book Job. We studied it out. And Job survived. He got angry a couple of times. He got upset a couple of times. His wife even said, Why don't you just curse God and die? And Job said, No. He's still had these issues, but he fought himself, he fought his way through it. We fight ourselves through this stuff, through the storms of everything. The storm that we hit our boat, we have to fight our way, we have to bail the boat out, we have to shake our fist at the sky and say, leave me alone in the name of Jesus. I had trouble presenting, getting this thing ready to go. You know how nervous I am right now? I mean, I can't even get this thing to work half the time. But the thing is, I know, I know, I know in my heart, my heart of hearts, that Jesus loves me. This I know because the Bible told me so. We learned that from a little tiny, when we were little tiny itty bitties. Okay, so <clears throat> Jesus in verse 32 said, Go. And they came into the swine, and the whole herd rushed down to the steep bank of the sea and perished in the waters. The herdsmen ran away and, and to the city and reported it, everything, everything, including what had happened to the demoniacs. So Jesus, did Jesus cast the, guy, the, the, the demons out of here, this guy? He said, go. He gave them permission to leave. Because they knew, if you do anything else different, you're going to cast me into the abyss. I want to stay on earth and cause trouble with everybody else. 
but I would rather go into that herd of pigs than to do anything else. There's nobody else around. They've got to have a host. Okay? And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus, whom they saw him. They implored him to leave the region. Why? Because he just upset it. I mean, 2,000 pigs went into the ocean. How much bacon is that? A lot of pork chops. So IHOP had to close a couple stores. Hormel Bacon, their stock went down. You know what I'm saying? So things, things weren't going good. So let's see if we can catch up on some of our slides here. Don't get out of the boat, even though the storm is raging. Folks, there was, when I, start turning, I'm going to get you caught up here. Start turning to Mark chapter 5. We're going to go through there. <coughs> excuse me. Uh, excuse me. Chapter 4, verse 35. We're talking about don't get out of the boat, but what about the people that didn't get in the boat? The people that are in the little boats, did they turn back? You're serving Christ, whether this church or another church or something like that. Stay in the boat. Don't get out. How can I say this? We, myself, I got my family out of a boat one time. And look what it led for me. Yeah, I'm here. I'm doing what I can. I'm doing what God, I think, has exactly things for me to do. It's just me. But what are we doing as a, as a, as a small group here? There are large churches out there you can get hidden in. But this small family right here, you're in a boat. What can you do to keep that boat going forward to the other side? Cool? Word. <laughs> All right. Don't get out of the boat. Sorry. It was immediate. Did it take time? Did it take the clouds to blow over? Or was it immediate? Right now. If it was you in the boat, and you have seen, you sat through the Sermon on the Mount, you sat through the centurion having his servant healed and some lepers healed and stuff like that. Why are you amazed that the sea was calmed? That's a pretty big thing. I'm just saying. I'm just putting that out there. That's a pretty big thing if we get in there and we say, hey, who is this guy? Who is this Jesus? And then they got out to the other side. Don't be amazed. Don't be amazed at what God's going to do to you, Chris. Don't, David. Don't be amazed. He gave you a new truck. Well, you broke the other one, but he gave you a new truck. <laughs> he gave you a new truck, and it's a cool truck. It's got four doors. All right. So, don't be amazed when you serve God in any little way that He rewards you for that. Example: Your gifts, whatever your gifts are. I happen to think that my gift. Anybody here know what their gift is? Come on, raise your hand. Everybody should know what your gift is. You either can play music. I can't play a lick. I'm a great air guitarist. I really am. I can, I can keep up with the Beatles, Creedence Clearwater. I can do it all. It's really good. But stick a guitar in my hand. Doink, 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 doink. So why are we amazed at what God will do for us? I am no longer amazed. I, have no, I haven't been amazed at what God can do for me in almost 10 years now, 15 years. Ever since, how long have we been here, babe? 
I'm sorry, that's Babe back there. We've been here 15 years, 12 years. However long I've been here, under good instruction, under prayerful warriors, under great friends, dear friends, that we pray for each other, we study, and we, we study the truth together, and we grow on that, we are blessed by God, I am no longer amazed by what God can do for me. And you should not, through time, hopefully not now even, should not be amazed what God can do for you or what God does with you. I see it in your lives. Some of you new folks, I'm still waiting. I'm just looking at you. You know the best thing? You're here. Okay? Thank you. Thank everybody for being here today. It's great. So here we go. Let me see if I got any. Oh, yeah, this is cool. This is cool. I'm going to have to get down here. You don't need to turn here, but this is, I was reading another Bible, that, uh, another version, because Joe says you've got to have at least five versions before you start presenting this kind of stuff. I'm like, five versions? I've got three. So check this out. Why are you amazed? Why are you amazed that you got to the other side? We're going to go through this. This is really cool. I found this in the English Standard Version that is not in any other of my uh, versions except the one that Joe gave me. It was wonderful. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on great waters. Got it? Come on. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. Did they just get on the boat after seeing wondrous works of the Lord? For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. You've been on a ship when it was in a stormy sea. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men with their, with, and were at their wit's end. What get me off of this boat? If you see the Jesus boat on YouTube, it's a little tiny thing. And these guys are out in the middle somewhere in this storm, being tossed about, freaking out, saying, Jesus, wait, why, why are you asleep? I'm dying here. Wake up. We're dying. And he calmed the seas. Whoops. Whoops, here we go. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble. They did. And he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. My gosh, when I read that, I was absolutely flabbergasted. They were glad that the waters were quiet. When I was reading this and studying this, folks, I was glad that the waters were quiet. Because I've been through this. I've been through the ups and downs. If you haven't been through any ups and downs in life and Satan's been beating you to death, they were glad that finally the storm was over. Whether it be sick children, uh, the church service stunk or something like that, and you just say, I don't think I'm going back. You're going to go up and down, you know, Satan's picking on you, and finally the seas and the winds stop. Whoops. 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 Get off the boat. Okay. Here we go. They were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven, which was where? Gadara, the other side. Get in the boat. We're going to the other side. Say, why are we going to the other side? 
Well, because I want to go to the other side. Just sit down and hush. You don't have to do anything. Bail water. You're going to have bail water maybe, but we're going to the other side. Don't be amazed what God can do. This is precious to me. God takes care of everything. He's not going to let you perish. And when we get there, everything is going to be quiet. And he's going to make sure we get to where we're going to go because I am going to get you there. He's going to take care of all your problems. See there? Why are you doubting? Why do we doubt? Who puts the, the word of doubt in our heads and in our hearts? Can he do that? He can pick on you all the live long day. If you don't stay in the word, if you don't stay with friends, I love being around my friends. My brother, <laughs> I love my brother. My brother is not a Christian. He believes in himself. He believes in the world. He wrote, every now and then he'll call me here during church service when it's quiet and I've got my thing on stun. He says, what are you doing? Got your hand on your wallet? He always makes that comment because he thinks the church always takes money. It's all, the, all, it's all about the money. Last week he sent me saying, he says, uh, is not family thicker than blood? Because I told him I was at church. He sees me parked out here all the time. Why in the world are you always at the church? It's where I'm supposed to be. I got to the other side. I'm supposed to be here. So I started thinking about that. I'm going to text him back say, well, whose blood are you talking about? But I didn't do it because then I didn't want to upset him because he gets upset when we talk about stuff like that. Cool. All right, so here we go. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. This is the long part. Now, Luke has a couple other long parts, but this is Mark writing this. He got it basically from stories that Peter told him who was there. So, on the day when evening came, he said to them, now again, this is in the evening. What did we talk about the weather formations over there in the evenings? Calm during the day, the heat goes up, cold comes down, causes winds. So they were going over it in the evening. <coughs> and Jesus said, let us go over to the other side. Let us. Leaving the crowd, these guys were following him. What were they doing? What was Jesus doing for these people? He gave them the Sermon on the Mount, but did he give them the Sermon on the Mount? If you study this out, most of them were just his disciples. He was instructing his disciples. And there were some hanger-oners out there listening. But they followed him. He was tired because he healed. <clears throat> Leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was, or whatever he had. He didn't have a suitcase or anything like that. And other boats were with him. Pick up on that while we read this. Other boats were there. Which boat were you in? Okay. You got your disciples, not sure who, didn't name them, but I'm just going to claim that it was Peter, James, John, and Andrew, maybe, because they're you know, fishermen. They were fishermen. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling. Remember the diet or the, what I explained about the boat that they found? The gunnels were just real short. And this was the test. I talked to Joe about this. And one of my references that I was studying all these times, storms in life, they say, are a judgment or it's God's judgment on somebody, okay? He's maybe putting you to the test or something like that. Or the Jews go through a storm because they've rejected him time after time after time. But the one 
commentary told me that they think that this storm was made possibly by Satan trying to kill Jesus. I tend to think, wow, that could happen. Could happen. We look back, or I look back and think, well, if he had a boat full of fishermen, we don't know how many were in the boat other than people were with him in the boat. If the fishermen got in in the nighttime, did they read the skies? There's a, a verse, and I think it was chapter 15 or something like that, where Jesus was uh, talking to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees, well, yeah, why don't you just show us a sign? He says, uh, well, you guys, you know, you don't even know how to read, read the signs of the weather, basically. Red sky at night, sailor's delight. Red sky in the morning, sailors take warning. Army guys, paratroopers, we don't jump and we don't go out in the storm because we're not Navy, all right? <clears throat> we know we're not supposed to be out on the boats, all right? So, you seek a sign. Did Peter, James, John, or the other fishermen see that morning that there was going to be good weather? That's, what I, that's where I had to come around and say, well, if they did see good weather signs and they got into the boat, what caused that storm? That's just how I am. What caused that storm? Because they weren't afraid to get into the boat. Because there were other small boats with them. So there had to have been a lot of people that weren't afraid to get on the water. Okay? So I'm thinking maybe, yeah, maybe this commentary is kind of plausible. Maybe Satan did do that for the main purpose of killing Jesus. Because if Satan can kill Jesus, what can he do? He's got it all. There is no God, I'm more powerful than God, and I'm in control. But Jesus calmed the seas, he calmed the winds, which is, there's only one person that can do that, God. Okay. If I'm on the boat, and I see this, and I look at Chris, and I say, who is this guy? Who's this guy that can calm the storm and heal this leper and heal the centurion's servant and I'll give this uh, commentary of uh, the Sermon on the Mount and other wonders and if you look really deep into some of these passages without skimming too far across them you'll see that Jesus healed them all how many is all? sometimes it's hundreds, sometimes it's thousands he healed them all and you can say oh I want a sign well Billy Joe over here walks now Whatever. All right, here we go. <coughs> Verse 38. Jesus himself was in the stern, <laughs> squidly, back of the boat, okay? Asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said, Teacher, do, not you, or do you not care that we are perishing? Now, they're probably yelling. Excuse me, teacher, we're scared. You know, I mean, I would be freaking out. If this boat was filling with water... Uh, and just to stop right there, who knows where Ski Lack Lake is? Lake Louise. Uh, how about the Bering Sea? Some harsh waters out there. I had a friend with uh, a preacher, a local preacher named Wyckoff. They preached, had a small church down here, Parks and Main, and a little bit in. And uh, they went moose hunting on Ski Lack. They had to cross Ski Lack Lake back in the 70s. I was a junior in high school. I had a dear, dear friend named Donald Gretchen, 
who was a, he was being watched by these, what, what do they call that? He was living with them to be cared for, him and his sister. <clears throat> they crossed Skelac Lake in what I would consider a rowboat. They had a motor, but they had all their hunting gear on board. And a storm came up when they were in the middle. They're gone. They couldn't find them. I can't imagine my friend screaming out to God or the pastor Wyckoff screaming out to God to save them. And they're gone. And that was another thing that affected me on this is, my gosh, these people had to have been absolute abject fear. And I think I've got that in there. Nope, I don't. I thought I did. It might be in there. It could be in somewhere else. I'm still getting this down. I would be terrified because I don't like water. I can swim like a submarine like anybody else in this world. I could live underwater. The only problem is I got lungs. So I love it underwater but until I have to come back up. So here we go. <clears throat> Verse 39. And he got up and rebuked the wind. Otherwise, he told him to knock it off. Rebuked. Look that up in the Greek. And he said to the sea, hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly, perfectly calm. This is Peter saying to, to Mark. Somebody says, hey, I was there. Dude, nothing. Not a wave. Not, and if there was waves... It was just nice and easy. We can just, you know, like a mill pond, just nothing like this. I'm telling you, folks, that's what I like to be on, on when I'm fishing. <laughs> I don't want any trouble, okay? And he said to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Looking back to their past, they always question, how is this guy healed? This guy's no longer a leper. How do you do that? He's God. And we'll see, if you, well, the more you study farther into this, you're going to start seeing, especially on the day of Pentecost, and a few others, geez, and, they, and he's risen from the day, and he's dead, and they say, hey, hey, he's alive. But up till then, it was, you know, you guys still, you're still not, you're still not getting it? Cool, he's amazing. They became very much afraid and said to one another, who is this then that again, even, uh, even the wind and the sea obey him? Chapter 5, and we're moving along quickly here, I hope. Yes, we are. They came to the other... Huh? You want me to go faster? Okay. <laughs> they came to... Folks, I, do, I, lo, I love doing verse-by-verse verse, uh, Calvary Chapel style because it's, you, you, you get it all and you get it down to the nitty-gritty. Folks, it's, you cut it, you dice it, you take little bitty bites and you study it and you get that juice out of the meat. Then they come to the other... They came to the other side. They came to the other side of the Gadara. Basically, Gadara was the land of Gentiles, basically. There were a few Jews over there. It was the land of uh, Gad and a few other odds and ends over there. Uh, but because of the Assyrians and the Neb uh, Nebuchadnezzar and all these other guys, they were split. They were, had people come in there. Now it was populated by mostly Gentiles. And they were working for Hormel and IHOP and a few other things. Okay? <clears throat> when he got out of the boat, now check this out. I don't know what your Bible says. Mine says immediately. This, when I got to this, I was like, I'm going to slow down here. I'm going to slow down my study. I'm going to read this thing, and I'm going to get it down perfect. Immediately, a man from the tombs 
with an unclean spirit met him. How fast is immediately? This guy, how many, in, in the book of Matthew, how many guys were there? Two. Okay? In the book of Luke, there were two. I chose this passage because this is the most important of the two. Is there a contradiction? No. This is what David saw, and he wrote about it. says, because this other guy we don't know about. Maybe it didn't take with him. Maybe he went downtown 4th Avenue and decided that he was just going to have a good time because Satan was no longer bothering him. Or maybe he just didn't get involved like this, this guy here. This guy here is, is precious. <clears throat> Immediately, a man from the tombs went, or with an unclean spirit, met him. Now, when you think about this, and we're going to get another geography lesson, Gadara is still there. I think it's called Gerasa or something like that. Anyway, Gadara is still there. It's about between three and five miles from the port or wherever they landed. So this guy in the tombs, and we don't really know where the tombs were. I didn't study it out that far. But let's say it's a mile away. And this guy has been tormented. We're going to see this for years. And he, he saw this boat land with Jesus, and immediately, and I want to say, we're going to see how bad off this guy was. He was naked, all this other stuff. But, and I was talking to Joe about this. I said, well, can I put in here the blah, 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 blah? He says, well, yeah, you can probably think that. This guy was so overwhelmed with the demons, demons, I think right back here, somewhere, there was hope. Somewhere back here, his humanity was hidden. It was trying to break out. Our humanity. We seek Christ. We've had so much in our lives that we are said, I'm done with this stuff. I want something new. Is Jesus something new for you if you're a sinner? Not saved? Yes. It is something new. It is something brave. It is something outlandish. It is something great because this is a... I'm free. And oh, by the way, heaven's awaits me when I die. It's the dying part that I'm not too keen on. <clears throat> okay, here we go. And he was dwelling among the tombs. Can you imagine doing that? I, I want to tell you, I got to tell you this war story. In Germany, we'd always go to the, to the front. You know, we'd have alerts and stuff like that. Well, our place to set up, I was a medic and our, our little aid station was in a graveyard. Out there at midnight when you had to go to the bathroom or something like that, it was not fun. Because he's like, you know, it's like graveyard. Oh, anyway, no more, no more, or excuse me, no one was able to bind him anymore, even with a chain. Think about that. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been torn apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. How many remember the PCP epidemic? Hmm? That's the first thing I thought about. Folks, I'm a firefighter. I have gone to EMS calls. I've gone to, I've seen just about everything. I've seen it all. And my heart breaks for people because of what they go through in this life. There is no hope. I see it. But yes, there is. We just have to get out of the boat. We have to go see these people. Because we don't see these people. What did the people here at Gadara do with this guy? 
They chained him up. He was in such agony. He was so strong. There was nothing they could do. There was no, uh, no church to go to. There was no, no uh, uh, programs for him to attend. Anything like that. In verse 5, constantly, night and day, he was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains, gashing himself with stones. Who was gashing him with stones? The demon inside of him was so terrible that all he could do was live in the graveyard, naked, screaming all night long from the pain. No hope. None. Okay, we're going to build up to a crescendo here. Uh, Okay. Now check this out. Verse 6. He ran. Again, uh, he's running down towards the boat because he sees the boat. Verse 6. Seeing... Jesus from a distance. How did he know? Now, we're talking about a demon-possessed person. So the guy, this, this, he was so overwhelmed with demons that the demons saw him. The demons recognized who this guy was getting off the boat. Not this poor guy with this little tiny speck of humanity still screaming for help. And from a distance, he ran up and bowed down before him. The demons bowed down. They knew who this guy was. And shouting with a loud voice, he said, What business do we have with each other, Jesus? Look at the identification. What What business do we have with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you, I beg you by God, do not torment me. Or do not send me into the abyss. Where did the fallen angels go? The abyss. This guy's, this demons, these demons knew if they didn't have some place to go, they were going to the abyss. And it ain't fun down there. They knew how bad it was because they know some fallen angels that are there to this day. Okay? For he had been saying to him, oh, for he had been saying to them, so here's this guy, come up to Jesus, it's come out of him. Come out of him. <clears throat> Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he was asking him, what is your name? Now, I had to ask Joe. <clears throat> in the other writings, it says, and the demon came out. Or he, he said, Come out of him right now. And let's just say he did. I said, well, how did he know this guy here was not the demons? Did Jesus see the demons? And Joe said, well, you can speculate because Jesus can see stuff. He's God. This guy was probably not in his right mind, still uh, down on his knees, not sure. We can picture this. I'm not going to put the, I don't want to make you say, I'm just saying. Joe said that I, I think this could possibly happen because I was putting myself there. And it looks like, uh, he says, what is your name? And he says, my name is Legion, for we are many. Ladies and gentlemen, I looked up legion. What is a legion? It is an army unit of Rome between 3,000 and 6,000 men. When you look at it a little bit better, what what they're probably saying right here, according to some commentaries, is that this guy was infected, and I, I call it infected, with numerous, multiple demons that were on him day and night. If you've ever, remember, go back to the Passion of the Christ where Judas was trying to run away and these little kids were just massively attacking him and beating on him and stuff like that, and their faces was changing. 
You know, picture that where this guy had been doing that all these years. And it was just multiple, multiple demons inside this guy, gouging him and causing him pain and throwing himself against rocks, never giving him a peaceful night's sleep, never. And this guy, that little piece of hope, saw Jesus somewhere. The demons saw him, but this guy, somewhere in here, I have to believe his heart screamed out, let's go. Get me there. Somehow get me there. And you can see these people that are in prison over in North Korea right now. There's people in prison, Christians. In China, in Iran, that pastor that was in Iran, and they were begging for years, Jesus, get me out of here. People were praying for them. Here, Joe, time and again, he prays for the people that are in prison across the oceans. But he also prays for those that oppress. Ah. Better than me. Okay, here we go. His name is Legion. We are many. And he began to implore him earnestly not to send them out of the country. I don't want to go out of the country. Why? Because I have to have a host. Now, there was a large herd of swine, pigs, feeding nearby on the mountain. Pigs are dirty, right? Taste good, but they're dirty. Over there, they were anathema for the Jews. You don't touch these things. God said they are dirty animals. Don't touch them. Don't eat them. Anything like that. The demons implored him, saying, instead of sending me to the abyss, send me into the pigs. I would rather be with pigs. Now, let me ask you something. How many demons were there if they in infected 2,000 pigs? That's another pickup. There, ha there had to have been a lot more than just multiple. Okay? I'm just throwing that out there. And Jesus gave them, do you see this? Look at this. Jesus gave them permission. Send me into the pigs. Okay, go. He didn't condemn them to the pigs. He says, we want to go to the pigs. I want to wallow. I want to wallow in the mire of this society out here. I want to do my drugs. I want to get drunk every night. I want to, you know, I want to, to be evil. I want to steal. Do we have a theft problem in this valley? No. No. Do we have a drug problem in this valley? Yes, we do. And these, and I would rather go down here, me, I want to keep my former life, I want to be that way, and I want to die that way and go to hell. I'd rather do that. No. No. Now, here we go. Jesus gave him, okay, after coming out, the unclean spirit entered into the swine, and the, they rushed down, and they drowned in the sea. They died. Where did the where the bad guys go? In the abyss. They's done. They took a pause for the cause, and now they're down there with their brothers and in, in, in waiting for judgment. The herdsmen. Okay, here it is. Here, their herdsmen ran away and reported in the city and the country, and the people came out to see what happened. Curious. Wait a minute. This guy is no longer howling out in the graveyard. Uh, they came to Jesus, observe, now check this out, check this out. They came to Jesus, observe the man who they knew who it was. They had to because they chained him up. He was been demon-possessed, sitting down, clothed in his right mind, the very man who had been in the, with, uh, who had the legion, and they became frightened. These guys saw 
a saved person who used to be a nut job filled with the Satan's minions. Folks, when you get saved, the Holy Spirit cleans house. You change into a new person. God does that. You don't change yourself. God changes you. You keep being clean through the power of the Holy Spirit and God. It's through Him. I cannot imagine. I I can't imagine getting out of the boat anymore. I cannot. I, I, I got on there. I got out. I suffered for it for 20 years. Not only me, but my wife, my kids, my son. He, he's, he's in it. He, he's with it. He's in a good Calvary Chapel down in Oak Harbor. My grandkids down, down there are in church. But it's the example we set. We, we, we preach it. We teach it. We teach them. Bring them up in the uh, fear and admonition of the Lord. And they will, they will come around. They'll do it. They will get saved. And they'll get in their right minds. Anybody had any rebellious children? That's why they make these. Okay? <laughs> All right. All right. And okay, here we go. Verse 16. Those who had seen and described to them how it had happened to the demon-possessed man and all about the swine, and they began to implore him to leave the region. We want you to go. We don't want you to be out here anymore because, first of all, we just lost 2,000 pigs that we can't afford to replace. Okay? Leave. This is the meat and potatoes. This is the gravy. This is the gravy on the taters, folks. I want you to get your bread and start sopping this up. The man, here he is, after getting in the boat, the man, the man who had been demon-possessed was imploring him. Him who? Jesus. Folks, I've read this thing dozens of times in the last four weeks. I implore you. I tell you right now, there ain't nothing better than Jesus. I see it every day. Check this out. That he might accompany him. They're down on the beach. Jesus said, fine. Let's go. Peter, Jim, Billy Bob, let's go. They got in the boat, and the guy that was demon-possessed came. I want to go with you. People get in the boat. Don't get out of the boat. When you get to Gadara, get off the boat and go see what God can do. It's great. This guy got saved. He was in a land that hated him. We're in a land that hates us. Look what the Christians are going through in this church, not this church, but the church in America right now. And look what they're doing around the world. We got it easy. This guy says, Jesus, please, please, imploring, imploring, please take me with you. I want to go with you. That should be your prayer today. And here we go. And he did not let him go, but he said to him, Go home. To your people, folks, go home to your people, my brother, my sister, my people, the people at the fire department, 
my people, your work, check this out, report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. And he went away. Now, check this out. Well, let's just stop right there. I don't know how to go soul winning. Independent Fundamental Baptist Church. Hi, I'm Randy. This is my wife, Mary, and we're here to slam. Cute little thing. (laughs) No, I'm not going to tell you that. I am not made for soul winning because I can't, my memory is, I, I don't have a good memory on where to quote all this stuff. This guy just got saved. His memory is back. Why do we know this? Because he's in his right mind and he's clothed. I want to go with you. Well, go to your people. What do I tell them? What do I say? I don't have the words. What does Jesus say? Report to them what great things the Lord has done for you. Folks, that's all you've got to do. I could go to my brother this day. And he'll say, hey, they take your wallet from you? He said, no. But I taught today, and I was blessed beyond measure. And he'll say, oh. But I've been praying for that man for years now. And if there's anybody that can soften his heart, it's not me. It's Mary. And through prayer... His heart's been softened. It's it's getting better. It's getting better. But still, he shakes his fist. And look at this guy, and then we're going to close. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis what great things Jesus Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed. My friends, what does Decapolis mean? Ten cities. Now, these ten cities were populated by a lot of people. He went there with people. I'm, I'm almost convinced because there was people that were there, and they, were, they saw this, and they, they hey, we got to go to the beach and see this guy because Chris got saved. No, he's still a pig farmer. Yes, he's a pig farmer, but he's a saved pig farmer. Oh, okay, that's cool. Let's go see. And They went out. They went out. But this guy went from city to city, and they say, historically, there was a huge growth in Christianity or the following of Christ in that area over there because of how many people? One man that sought Christ. Now, let's back up. Did we go with Jesus? Yes, he wanted to go with Jesus. Folks, go with Jesus. I'm going backwards. I'm sorry. You there? If we wouldn't have got off the boat in Gadara, would we have seen that? If we didn't get on the boat over in Capernaum, would we have seen that? If we were in the little bitty boats and feared for the storm and turned back, would we have seen that? If we would have been (laughs) Billy Bob... Joe Snuffy, the ragman, in the boat with Jesus, and he said, oh, man, this is too much for me, and I'm jumping out, and I'm swimming back. Would you have seen that? No. Peter, James, John, everybody was over there, got to witness this stuff. Let me see what this says. 
Oh, we're going to skip through this stuff. Here we go. I'm sorry for doing this. What am I doing? Did anybody pick up on this? It took me about a week and a half to pick up on it. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And all Jesus said was, I want to go to the other side. What was he doing? He was reaching. <clears throat> what were the disciples doing on the boat? They were growing because they saw the power of God. The guy got over there, he got saved. What happened? Jesus sent him. The disciples saw it. Jesus did it. Their faith in Christ and the power of God, it, it just... <laughs> when I read this thing, I was like, you have got to be kidding me. This is great stuff. And it falls, and I was telling Joe this, and he was... <laughs> this reach grows in. This, this reach grows in. I didn't see this until like a week ago. It's am- isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? So that's going to take us to the end. I'm sorry for going over... Yes, I've covered everything. There goes my cup. That's it. Now, Matthew, <clears throat> Matthew chapter 28 and Mark chapter 16, and this is, this is it. <clears throat> Jesus said when he came back, he said, go into other most parts of the world and preach the gospel. I don't know what the gospel is. Tell him your story. Tell him your story. I've got a bad memory. Well, tell them your story. That's all you got to do. That's as easy as it is. Jesus made it so simple for this guy, it's just absolutely ridiculous that I have to stand up here and say, well, why didn't I pick up on that when I studied it? Cool. Thank you so much. Heavenly Father, (coughs) we love you so much this day. We love you always. Thank you for the word that and its truth and how it applies to our lives on a daily basis. We thank you for your power. We read about your power. We see what you do. And Father, I can only say right now, I can't wait to meet you in heaven. I can't wait to sit with Jesus, have a cup of tea. I can't wait to sit with Peter and Daniel and Moses because I know in all your power it will be done. My friends, if you would like me to pray for you, if you want to get back on that boat, if you want to change, you want to get in that boat and serve Christ, this, there's some things in this church that, that need to be done, and, and we need help. If that is your prayer, if you'd like to do that, say, Randy, just pray for me about that, and I'll pass it on to Joe. I'll, tap, I'll pass it on to the men, and we will pray for you. Raise your hand for me, please. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we ask you to bless now. Protect everybody on these, these highways. We thank you so much for the coming season of springs, of things refreshing anew. Bring our pastor back home safe and rested in Jesus' name. Amen.